Welcome to episode 186 of Pop Culturally Deprived, where each week we watch a movie I've never seen before, which is somehow still most of them, and talk about the good, the bad, and the second level of the gloom. This week we're going to be talking about Daywatch on your Do I Snore? podcast. refuse to believe it's true until he records me doing it and he won't do it so until there is proof i do not snore this is a tricky subject that i feel i could say anything wrong on so i'm going to just move on i once had one of those apps that records <laughs> you while you sleep well no it doesn't mm-hmm. no it doesn't record you while you sleep it you like you put it on the bed and it helps say what quality of sleep you got but it would also mm-hmm. activate and record when there was movement. So, like, if you did snore or talk in your sleep or something, it would capture it. I used it for about two nights, okay. and I realized I was really scared playing it in the morning. Like, what if I play <laughs> it and someone else talks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I don't want any of those things. I don't. Did you ever follow... Um... There was this guy who, on Twitter, who did this story called Dear David. Mm, no, I don't think so. Um, I'll have to send it to you because it's, it's amazing. I don't think he ever actually finished it because he ended up getting a little more famous and went on to do other things. Okay. But um, he did this whole series about how his uh, his apartment was haunted by this little boy with a, like, Christian head, and he called him David. And, like, he would have pictures and stuff that, you know, he had Photoshopped, but, like, audio and stuff as well. And okay. part of the story was that he would set up his phone to record, to catch it. And then you could hear the weird things. And I think of stuff like that. And I'm like, I don't want to know if anybody's talking in my room. Yeah, no, I'm noping out of there straight away. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm asleep. I sleep like the dead. It's like crazy. Like I've slept through hurricanes and like trains and crazy stuff. I do not wake up. So I just don't want to know. Yeah. Good. Okay. Um, <laughs> day watch. Day watch. The follow-up to Nightwatch. is the follow-up to Nightwatch, which is one of your favorite movies. Yes. Which we did for your birthday episode in February. Yes. Approximately eight years ago. (laughs) In (laughs) 2020 hours. Possibly eight centuries ago. Mm -hmm. I don't know. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so... I mean, we talk about movie movie titles every so often on this podcast. Mm Mm-hmm. I love that they let this be called Daywatch. It's not Nightwatch 2, Daywatch. It's just called Daywatch. Mm. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Because it works as, as a, you know, the series titles. And then I think there isn't another film, but then the books go into Twilight Watch and Final Watch and so on. Oh, it's okay. Mm. Interesting. However, as I say, these are based on books. This is not based on the book Daywatch. Right, you said it was part of Daywatch, but also still part of Nightwatch? Yeah, it's it's very heavily the second and third stories, because each book is three stories, which are kind of interlinked, following the same characters, and, and have mm-hmm. things that matter in each story. This is the second and third story of the book, Nightwatch. <laughs> okay. So this could very well have been Nightwatch parts two and three, something on those lines. 
Interesting. Um, and then the, the certainly the bit with the witch and being arrested that that's actually taken from the Daywatch book, except it's not Anton; it's uh, another witch, I think, or or just a, maybe an ordinary woman, human woman. Okay. Who has that? But then they've rewritten it so it's Anton. And I think there was even a reference in like the fourth book or something where someone sees kind of the multiverse and sees some of the events of the films as like an uh, an alternate history of what mm-hmm. happened to them. So the books and the films are different and and exist in different universes. Interesting. Yes. Are there more movies? No, there is one called like Bizarre Watch, which is a kind of I, th- I think re-edited version of the first film. I think. Um, oh, that's bizarre. Yeah, it's like a here we go. Notch Noi Bazaar is a fun redub. Ah, okay. Called cool. oh, it's called Night Chat. Notch Noi Bazaar. Um, as a nod to popular and legal fun redubs by a Russian person. However, this was made with okay. the full consent of the filmmakers and the copyright holders. I've never seen it. I've looked for it, but it's one of those that you can only see it in Russia on a pirated version. So, right, right, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Mm. Right, Daywatch. Same director, same cast. A lot of the same yes. creators behind it. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts on this? Did you enjoy this? I did enjoy it. I, I fe- it's really weird. Okay. Um. I mean, I felt like it was all over the place. Mm. I wasn't sure it knew what story it was trying to tell. Right. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, because there were a lot of threads that didn't go together. Okay. Such as. <laughs> as she grimaces, drat, Mr. Vose, I didn't want you to ask me that. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, so the idea that if... Um, Oh, there is even a specific quote. Hang on. Let me get back to it. If they should meet, the world will fall into an apocalypse. <laughs> right? The fact that the the night great other and the the light, his and hers, like from each side, if the great other from each side yeah. met somehow, the world is going to come to end. But that's not actually true. Mm-hmm. You know, they they were in the same room as each other for a long time, and the only reason things escalated was because the dark decided, oh, they spilled blood, they broke the truce because he had a nosebleed. Yes. Right? They're not actually related. Like, the two ideas aren't related. They don't go together. And so they placed a lot of stock on this idea of this prophecy that required, then they get the chalk mm-hmm. to do all of these things, which they didn't do most of the time i mean they did start destroying everything at that point i i I don't think it's like a you know matter and antimatter come together and destroys the universe thing i mean yegor destroyed everything because he's really really powerful right and uh zavalon gave him that stupid ball that just amplified his power like but i think that would have happened whether or not Svita? Sveta? Mm-hmm. Sveta? Whether or not she showed up. They used her as an excuse to start a war. Mm-hmm. Which then amplified his power. And But the catalyst of the movie... Like, the movie began telling us 
that if they should meet, the world will fall into apocalypse. Yes. Right? And so it sets up the expectation that this movie is about stopping that from happening. Okay. And it's not. Like, they tried to bring it up a few times. Mm -hmm. But that's not what the movie's about. You look like you disagree with me. I, I don't disagree with your overall point. I think there's too much going on. I mean, the fact that this is trying to do two stories in one. It's trying to do the mm -hmm. Tamerlane Chalk of Fate. Mm -hmm. The Chalk of Fate. Good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which It's just been on the chalkboard of the Chinese restaurant for forever. It, exactly. The, the end <laughs> um, film that the director followed this up with was Wanted, which features the loom of destiny. And it's difficult because I'm, right. I'm also watching Legends of Tomorrow at the moment, which has the loom of fate in it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, okay. I'm a bit over the... Uh... <laughs> the X of Y? Y yeah, just the, the, you know, diminutive X of superlative Y. <laughs> yeah. The chalk of fate. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, yes, I think it's trying to do too much. I think that story about... Svetlana and Yegor and their like you say they're sort of opposites and coming together and the, the destruction that will bring I quite like mm -hmm. um, the plot about Anton being set up for killing someone I like even more possibly because of the steps they go through with it but I, I think there is too much there for one film yes yes is, is a problem this film is almost all exposition and plot it doesn't mm -hmm. have much room for anything else and, and when it does it, it is wonderful the stuff it does that is not to do with the plots really good lots of time for it um mm -hmm. which we'll obviously talk about in a minute but yeah yeah so so the two plots then on the one hand we have the chalk of fate stuff so so and it starts off with a really interesting bit about tamerlane trying to get the chalk of fate Mm -hmm. and and what happens to him although it's a little bit you know he puts his finger through the maze of how to get into the chalk of where the fortress where the chalk of fate is being held and he realizes hey why don't i go through the walls and makes his horse run through the walls and it's mm -hmm. just no i'm pretty sure people have tried that and that doesn't work i i want either more mysticism or more reason why he's the only one who could do that mm -hmm. you know yeah, I didn't actually understand that that's what happened, so I'm glad you said that. I was confused about, like, he had some sudden epiphany when he put his finger through the paper. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh, there's a second layer to the map, is what I was thinking. That's exactly what it looks like, like right? Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, oh, he just got the information that nobody else has ever had because he accidentally stuck his finger through the map. But then he goes through the walls and just, like, brute forces his way in. Yeah. And... I, I, it doesn't work for me, but I think that's because obviously the great fantasy fortresses like that. You think of Minas Tirith, with its you know sweeping paths back up and up and up, so it's difficult uh -huh. to get through because you can't go through the walls. You think of the um, if you've ever read Legend by David Gemmell, mm -hmm. the, the Drenai yeah. Fortress, which has these seven very similar to what we see here, seven walls getting gradually smaller and smaller and smaller, with a killing ground between each one. So right. the enemy has to try to overcome one wall. And if you retreat in time as they take it, 
you can then kill them as they try to get to the next one and the next one. Right. So they have to siege it for such a long time. And that's the, that is the core of the book is them just defending wall after wall as each one falls. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Legend is one of the great fantasy novels. I, th- I think you might enjoy it. Okay. Mm. Um, so for it to be, hey, we've got this great fortress that's kind of a maze. Oh, but you just run through the walls. Ah. But fine, I can <laughs> I can ignore it. The stuff with Tamerlane and and finding the chalk and then what the chalk means and what people do with it is okay, but it's a little epic MacGuffin-y. The, the <laughs> we have this thing that you can use to just rewrite something. Well, they also changed the rules of it in the middle of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was set up as if you could just write with it, anything that you wrote with it would come true. Yeah. But then when Anton gets it and he writes on the chalkboard, it didn't work because you can't, you can only change your own fate. And he was writing on Zor's chalkboard. Yes. Not the wall right? that defined like his The only fate. way yeah. he could change the whole Yegor story was to go back to the room where this life started, which was the witch's house, yeah. right? Which had been torn down and he had to still get back. Like that felt very. They didn't explain it. They just, mm. they they set up the chalk one way and then later in the movie said, oh, we're going to add this twist to it, but we're not going to tell you why. It's just, this is how it works. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't like that. It, it, it adds an element of convolutedness to it that either needs extra lines of explanation in a film that has a lot of lines of explanation or right. a more nuanced way of doing it. Because I, I seem to remember that being an interesting twist at the end that he had to get there. But watching it back, like, they lampshade it really heavily with the destruction at the beginning. Mm. And then they mention it two or three times. Then he happens to meet the witch and says, oh, your wall is still mm-hmm. there. Like, oh, okay, so we can see what's coming then. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's I... it's a shame that it's not more elegantly done. Because one of the things that I loved about that first one was how convoluted it was. You know, it's, it's really dense with the plots within plots within plots but that they mm-hmm. all come to something in the end. And that you go, yeah. oh, I can see what each side was trying to do there. And actually, it's interesting that the dark won, despite everyone's best efforts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and the, I think the other thing about the first one is that the first one is actually about this world. Like, there was a lot mm-hmm. we understood. I mean, I had questions, like, what does it mean to be an other? Right. Because I didn't understand that. Mm. And I didn't, like, remember we had the conversation, mm. well, are then are vampires always dark? And, but mm-hmm. no, you can be either regardless of what you are. But it was about setting up that world, and it was actually about the creatures of that world. And this wasn't. Yeah. You know, we had the side, the, the, God, the like, F plot of <laughs> Kostya and his father. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and him being a vampire who got his license. But other than that, we didn't talk about others. We talked about the great other. Yes. Yeah, it's getting into another level of nuance for what it means to be an other. And, yes. Well, and they didn't explain what great others are. Mm. Like, they just randomly dropped this idea that there's a second level of gloom. Mm-hmm. Never explained it. <laughs> and, oh, everybody's just happy yeah and you know it's just i don't know it was just convoluted is probably a good word mm. and and not in a way that it's clever in doing that mm-hmm. it's just convoluted because there's so much going on yeah yeah so ultimately i did enjoy the story mm-hmm. um bits of the story i thought it was too long because they 
did too much. Mm. There was too much going on. But I enjoyed – I like Anton. Yeah, right. Like he's, he's a <laughs> likable character. I like Anton, and I liked getting to see him – you know, going from who he was in the first movie to who he is in this movie, he genuinely cares about this kid, mm-hmm. his kid, mm. who he didn't know existed for the first 12 years of his kid's life. And right. now he's like he loves his kid just because mm. it's his kid. How many times can Mandy say kid? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but so and watching him try to talk to Yegor and, you know, the things like trying to save him essentially yeah. still trying to get him away from the dark and to try to understand he doesn't have to be this way mm. and then ultimately saving him by changing history like using the chalk and choosing to save that was to save Yegor it wasn't to save anybody else yeah no absolutely and like that I like I like Anton's story everything else I could have done without yeah T- totally great he is a great everyman interesting character and he's just at the whim of these great forces mm-hmm. playing with destiny and the chalk of fate and stuff yes mm. so the other the the other big plot then is about someone killing dark others mm-hmm. and um anton being possibly set up for it not having an excuse for why why he wasn't the killer and then right. switching bodies with olga <laughs> and the shenanigans that come from that, which I think is excellent. I think I think the body switch is done incredibly well. I mm-hmm. think it's it works in a plot way. The idea of hiding him so that definitely it won't be Anton who's blamed, and if there is someone going after Anton, they'll know because they'll pick it up magically and so on and so forth. Right. But then it works in a character way to sort of force him and Sveta to have moments together. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, no, I I did enjoy that that plot thread as well. Um, I I thought hmm. that because she's a psychic, like she knew it was Anton when Olga walked in, hmm. right? Everybody else thought it was Olga, you know. And so I ended up thinking that she genuinely knew that this was Anton and Olga's body before yeah. Anton told her. Mm-hmm. But then she got so mad at him, <laughs> right? So mad at him whenever he told her because she had just gone on this like big love confession of how she feels about Anton because she thought she was talking to Olga. Amazing. And like there was some cognitive dissonance there with how they played it. Right. Yeah. 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 Because mm. because um, he was but so Anton in Olga's body that it would have mm-hmm. been hard to not pick up on it or wonder or in a world where magic exists and you are a magic user. Right. Mm. Right, because she didn't question it at all when he said it. No. When he told her, she believed him instantly. Yeah, because like, there all the was clues no, were there. Mm. Exactly. Mm. But that's why I thought she knew, because she gave him a couple of really weird looks. Yeah. And then she started talking about her feelings for Anton. Yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, she's clever. She's using this as her way to tell Olga I mean, I mean, she feels is, about is Anton. that the case? But she still wants to have deniability about it. I mean, mm. given where it ended up, maybe. But she just seemed so upset. Mm. And and it is so. I mean, I mean, okay. Let's give um, proper credit to Galena Tunina, who played Olga. Her performance mm-hmm. as oh, Anton as Olga, yeah, really good. 
And yeah. you know, I, I like a body swap episode story thing in in any TV show of which you know most TV shows do it at some point. Um, get their actors mm-hmm. to act as each other. It is always good to watch when it's done really well, and I think it is done really well here. It's almost a shame we didn't get more mm-hmm. of Anton as Olga. Yeah. Um, but I think she did a really good thing. The bit when he goes to her in the shower, it's like, ooh, this is, ooh. And then they rescue it. And, and I think yes. they get away with it because he tells her instantly. Even though, you know, in the shower is probably not the place to tell her. And then they kiss and then they have um, Konstantin Kabensky, who plays Anton, in Olga's outfit, kissing her. Yeah. <laughs> so they have the moment where it is him sort of kind of back in the body, but they're still giving the clue that this is just... I mean, they're in a forest and stuff, so it, it clearly is imaginary. Right, yeah. But that's exactly what I mean of the film gives itself a moment to breathe and to relish in this like quite lovely moment mm-hmm. that's also weird because he's not in the right body. And it right. works. It works so well. It does. You know, I really like, though, that they went there, that they let Anton and... and, and... Svetlana's first kiss was when Anton was in Olga's body, mm. right? It was two women kissing, even though they were, it was a heterosexual couple mm-hmm. and they went there and it was fine and normal. They didn't yeah. lean into it. Like they didn't, it just was. Yeah. And I liked that. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it just, it works. It's a great moment. It's really nice. And then she makes him take her out to dinner because they mm-hmm. made dinner plans. Yeah. So they go out for dinner and it's quite nice there. And, they still end up set up over it. It's, yeah. it's brilliant. It's just the whole thing works for character. It works for plot. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Ditch the chalk of fate stuff. I agree. Mm. Yeah, there there could have been a better way to do that. Yeah. And, um, uh, and still have the same outcome. Mm. Yeah, because you could, you could still have the, you know, you have to find a way to stop the big fight at the end. Unless you're willing to make the three movies and make the chalk a wholly separate movie. Because uh-huh. the story in the book is is slightly different. He is he is absolutely being set up, but the person doing the killings is I think someone who's just sort of being driven to do it. And then he ends up in the Inquisition. It's this a whole really strange thing of this person who's just sort of generated to do it and to kill other dark mm. others. Hmm. Yeah, it's a really strange setup. And and the point of him going to the Inquisition, because dark others killing dark others does not is not a crime, it's not against the truce. Right. So that's why they're doing it to set up Anton, but they know they can get away with it if they're found out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. Mm. Okay. Speaking of the end, I have a question for you. Right, go on. And maybe there is an answer in the book that you can give me. (laughs) Anton uses the chalk of fate to reset the world to the moment he is getting ready to make the deal with the witch. Yeah. That in turn makes him, his otherness come out and it starts this whole path of things. Yeah. Right. He remembers enough to know that he has to tell her no. Mm-hmm. Like he knows he has to make a different decision to change the course of events, but he doesn't remember anything else. Yeah. But Gesser remembers, Zavalon remembers. I want to say Seymour, but his name's not Seymour. The other dude, 
Like he was changing the light bulb. Oh, um, when he walked by him, Semyon. Yes. Like why <laughs> that did name they that you remember? just said? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> why did they remember? But Anton doesn't remember. The witch doesn't remember. Svetlana doesn't remember. Magic. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. I mean, I like the ending. I like that he changed the course of events, mm-hmm. but I I want everybody to have changed. I, I think the point of him um, saying no instead of saying yes is because he wrote no. So he commanded that to happen. Not that he remembered to say no. It's the only thing he can now do is say no because that's what's written to thing. Okay. Okay. But yet, the other people remember. But the witch doesn't remember. Unless she does, and we're just not shown that. But, you know, who knows? So is it the others remember? Who knows? Who knows? Shenanigans. Because Zveta, at that point, I think, is also not an other. Um, well, yes, she wouldn't be. So, because who knows? we saw her come into her powers in the first one, too. Mm. So both of them are just regular people now. Yes. But they still meet and end up together. And possibly remember each other. Which is, and, and you know, for your love of the happily ever after, that is a lovely moment. There is, there is magic is. here. And I, that... I actually really liked... Yeah, I liked Gesser and Zavalon voting. <laughs> yeah. Betting on whether or not he would rem- recognize her or remember her. Like, that was a nice moment. Mm. But, I mean, in the general, like, grand scheme of the movie... It makes absolutely no sense. Yes, it does break the world a little bit. Still lovely though. <laughs> so the, the It's not a bad movie. It's not. I, I don't like that they destroy Moscow. The the point at which they start properly destroying the city, I think the first time those balls go out and start smashing everything up. Mm-hmm. That's the point at which I go, Oh, it's all gonna be undone. Okay. It's a, a bit like we said with um Superman. And, and other films like there is a point at which there is so much death or consequence of the actions that you go oh this, this won't be allowed to stick right oh well see I had early early on in the movie oh I guess it wasn't early on but it was um, during the party mm. my thought was the smart thing to do is to undo his choice from 12 years ago right yep but that probably isn't going to happen since there were six books <laughs> so it, with me not understanding kind of what the story is but i'm thinking there's more to tell like why are they undoing it but then they undid it yeah so i don't actually know how that all fits into the grand scheme of things in this world mm-hmm. but i guess it was around the same same time that i recognized this was going to be undone the thing in the book with the chalk of fate And again, it's quite nice in a sort of happily ever after way because they do this whole thing that she is going to use the chalk of fate to stop Yegor becoming dark, to rewrite his destiny, I think. Mm -hmm. And Sveta is going to do it because it needs to be wielded by a dark other, uh, by a a great other, sorry. And Anton gives her advice. It's been a while since I read it, but he basically gives her advice about what she should decide and how she should do it because there are, there are clearly machinations from the the dark and the light here. 
trying to to mm-hmm. sort of play everyone off against each other. So in the end, she doesn't write anything. She just re- erases the choice or, or stops him becoming a, another at all, something along those lines. Okay. But what it actually turns out is going on is that they've snapped the chalk and snapped a piece off it so that I think Gessa can write with it, maybe someone else, and restore Olga to her full power because she was once a great other who sacrificed herself for her love and so that they could be together again was the grand scheme of the chalk. Yeah, that's a good ending. Yeah. You know. I like that. Mm. I like that. Because it doesn't rely on huge destruction and everything. It you know it relies on a bit of sort of Star Trek endings, sort of a, a bit clever and a bit, we're not going to do what everyone expects, we're going to do something slightly different, and then it's going to turn out something else was happening. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I've just remembered another plot point that doesn't matter. Okay. Zavalon's wife. Okay, yes, the singer. Was she a singer? The one who was on the stage in the first one. Alyssa? Oh, it was the same character. I didn't recognize that she was the same character. I just know she ended up cutting off her finger to get the ring off at the end. Yes. Alice. Alyssa. Um, None of that needed to happen. Yes. Yeah. Do we lose anything by losing it? No. I mean, she was really awesome and walked around with her hair styled into horns. Yeah, this is the problem. Her sto- <laughs> the story's really good. I mean, I mean it certainly as characterization to show quite how devious and bad Zavulon is, I like it. Mm-hmm. To show that vampires are not wholly evil is good. Mm-hmm. And she's awesome. She's awesome in many ways, especially for having horn hair. She that is horns. awesome. <laughs> but... She had no bearing on this story. But yes, it absolutely does not mean anything, except for the chance to watch her put chalk in a cleavage several times. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's a shame because it's good, but yeah, that, that is something that could be stripped from the film to improve it. Mm-hmm. Or, or to at least give it more space. Mm. Okay. Oh, well. I have another oh. question for you. Okay, cool. You said that in the books, it's not a crime for the Dark Others to kill Dark Others. Yes. Then why did the Butcher get in trouble with the Inquisition? Because he's a Dark Other, right? Yes, because I think in this one, they do get in trouble. Okay. Because he got in trouble, why did Zavalon not get in trouble when he hired him to do it? Free will? Maybe? Maybe just punishing the person who did the crime? All right. You're not convinced by that, are you? At all. I'm not convinced. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming it's probably just because he is the leader. Yeah. I, I don't think he can do any wrong, but I didn't like it. No, it's a, it's a real shame because the relationship they show between, I want to say Vitali. Kostya. The Butcher. And his son, Kostya. Kostya, yes. Um, I really like the relationship between them. Mm-hmm. You don't often see genuinely good father-son relationships done. Mm-hmm. 
and certainly not for vampires, certainly not for uh, the, the amount of care that we see between them. It's lovely. And the fact that he turned in because he was ill and couldn't turn right. his wife. And obviously, you know, it's a really well done bit of characterization. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it, it is all to set up that Zavrilon is evil. So. I mean, we already knew Zavrilon was what evil. Exactly? But... Um, you're now making me wonder, why do they labour that point so much? Hmm. Is it because actually Zavrilon doesn't really have anything to do in this film? Except wear a really weird shirt. Really weird shirt. And, and you know, he's menacing and he's setting up the party and so on, but I don't think he has any real impact on the story. No, he doesn't. Other than reminding us, they 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 push the idea that he is raising Yegor. Mm-hmm. Like, he is Yegor's guardian mm. now. But other than that, no, he doesn't do anything. Yeah. Which, and, and it would be fine to let him do that, but I wonder if there was such a good response to him in the first film. Mm. Maybe, because he is very good Maybe. in the first film and he's interesting. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Yeah. What did you like about the film? What did you love about it? Okay. My very, very favorite thing about this movie mm-hmm. is that when Anton gets switched into Olga's body. Yes. He starts looking through all of her clothes, looking for pockets to put his cigarettes in, and he can't find them because <laughs> pockets don't exist on women's clothes. And right. I love that they like pointed that out. It was fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> everything in the body swap is really well done. It is. Mm. It is absolutely. I enjoyed all of that. Um, I also enjoyed. Um, and the the Tamerlane stuff at the beginning, he's just sitting there eating a turkey leg under his horse. <laughs> and his horse starts peeing on him. No reason for it to be in the movie. No, at all. No. It should not be a part of that story, but it's there and it's hilarious. And, and I don't know if that's a like historical accuracy that the soldiers uh. who fought in the mountains in the snowy conditions camped under their horses or something, but no idea. But yeah. it's good. It's it's a, a, you know very evocative of sort of classic Tolkien esque fantasy. Yeah, mm. yeah. And finally, mm-hmm. I'm really digging Anton's snowflake sweater. Okay, yeah, <laughs> his big Christmas sweater. Yes. <laughs> nice. Yes, loved it. Loved it. Yeah. I I like that they do have kind you? of I'm going to say kooky fashions. Everyone has their own mm-hmm. style in this. I like it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it, it does lean back into the thing of Anton's not 100% light. The fact he's partying and getting drunk with the Dark Others at the end is quite a thing. Well, it's I like, mean, he was also drugged. He, he was, but, you know, in the first one we saw him drinking blood and hunting the Dark Others through the drinking of blood and so on. But he's not he's not totally as moral as all the others are and so on. And him having this slightly out there fashion that we see on Zavilon and Kostya and Alyssa. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, a little hint of there's more going on there, which is nice. Yeah. Mm. Well, and he also, I mean, he very clearly said there are gray areas. Right. Right? Like, when, when she was chasing Yegor at the beginning, 
you know, he's like, what difference does it make? It's it's not just light or dark. Mm. We're the same. How are we different? Yeah. Right. Like he he called attention to that. Mm. And I enjoyed that about his character, too. Yeah. Yeah, because that's where the books, as you would imagine, anything of this ilk goes to. It goes to where is the line separating things? What is what does the shade of gray look like? You know, what is the nuance and difference between them? Which is what all the yeah, like the the Star Wars books eventually got into. Actually, there's no light light side and dark side and concept of the forces mm -hmm. mistaken and so on. Okay. Hmm. All right, Mr. Vos, what about you? What are your favorite moments from this one? Uh, the, the, that you haven't already guessed about. Yeah, no, there's a few that, few that we've touched on already. The kiss in the shower, wonderful. Alyssa driving her Mazda RX-8. Is it an RX-8? Through the hotel? <laughs> well, I mean, the, the RX-8 was a car I wanted. I went for a test drive in it, like, the week it came out. I was so Ooh, excited by this car. Okay. I mean, way out of my out of my price range. Um, but it, okay. it's a rotary engine... It has this really distinctive sound when it drives at high speeds, and so on. it's a it's a wonderful, beautiful car. Like the doors open in a cool way, and so on. Um, hugely expensive to run, which is why I've never had one. But anyway, okay, it's cool that she's driving one because it was so hip at the time. So that was awesome to see on screen. Mm -hmm. And then she drives it on the side of a hotel across all the windows, <laughs> leaving she does. dirt on the woman who's cleaning the window from the inside. <laughs> it's right. just so weird and funny and then crashes through a window of the hotel and then drives it back through mm -hmm. the hotel so that's excessive and not necessary but still a bit of fun anyway so why not right she starts having a go at Zavulon and Zavulon goes you need to knock before you come in so she walks all the way back across this giant hall room knocks on the door and then walks back and starts having a go at him again <laughs> <laughs> she's wonderful yeah. Great, so well characterized. Mm -hmm. mm. But the absolute best bit is the smallest of small moments. Absolutely oh, the smallest okay. of small moments. And it, it stands out that this is a Russian film. This is not an American film. This has wholly different sensibilities to what we would see in, in pretty much any other culture, I think. Okay. Anton is getting drunk on beer in the cafe mm -hmm. and eating dumplings and Gessar comes to see him um, and they're talking and he's talking about this this sadness that he has that that his son is much more powerful than him that the woman he's, he's into is much more powerful than him and that's going to affect his relationships with everyone and so on um, and Gessar's filling him in on what's actually going on all the stuff we got from the intro and he says um Anton, she'll soon become a great other, and there's no place for great ones near or in Moscow. And and Anton's mm -hmm. like, well, what do you mean? He says, well, your son, if he collides with Sveta, the world will be plunged into darkness. You know, big mm -hmm. Giles slamming the book closed sort of moment, isn't it? The world will be plunged into darkness. Yeah. And Anton looks at him and just gives a... Oh, well. <laughs> And it's so unstated of like, <laughs> oh, must be Tuesday. <laughs> I know? don't even think I picked up on that. No, exactly. And I think it, it probably took a couple of watches for me to be like, that's quite, a, that's a chalk of fate sort of line. The world will be plunged into darkness. Mm -hmm. I, and I don't think he says anything. This is why I'm, I'm trying to like get across because obviously this is a podcast. It's an audio medium. 
And I know right. everyone's listening to me going, I didn't quite get the point. He basically clicks his mouth and half raises, yeah, half, half raises his eyebrows. He's just like, okay, I've taken that on board. Yeah. Fine, whatever you say. <laughs> yeah. Guess our reaction is, see, you are a light one, but you drink dark beer. <laughs> It's so Russian. <laughs> this, you know, the, the history, the Russian history is fascinating. They're, them as a people, everything they have been through and the way their civilization has grown and so on. But there is this real thing of just wait for the next empire or the next civilization or the next downfall and then whatever comes after that and so on. So it's this mm-hmm. real sense of, okay, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it okay. so much. And it's the it's the moment I think of when I think of this film. Oh, just it's just cool. it's just such a cool moment. It's just so like that absolutely sums up everything that we're going to get here. The the fact that Anton doesn't do the like leading man action hero. Well, we need to jump into action and make sure we save Moscow from the destruction inevitable by this prophecy that's been. He's like, well, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, I wish our listeners could see your face. You have just lit up so much. You're smiling so big it's talking great. about this. It's such a good moment. <laughs> All right. Mm. Anything else to talk about with Daywatch? I don't Not think so. Not to be so. confused with Baywatch. Not to be confused with? Baywatch. Not to be confused with Baywatch. That is a very different thing, Baywatch and Daywatch. Dave, David Hasselhoff going into the twilight. let's characterize all of the lifeguards from baywatch as whether they're light or dark others (laughs) let's play a game no no let's not okay um no it's like the film i don't think was well received enough or performed well enough to warrant the third film and the next extension because this could have been a multi-film franchise very easily Right. Obviously it is, but at the same time, it's another one of those franchises based on fantasy books that never quite went far enough. Yeah. There are yeah. many of these, sadly. Yes. Mm. Mm. Would you recommend it? Only if you've seen Nightwatch. I think we would both <laughs> recommend Nightwatch. Yes. As, as a good film and worth watching anyway. Do you think if you've seen Nightwatch, you should see Daywatch, or is it worth living there? No. Yeah. I think if you enjoyed Nightwatch, you should see Daywatch. Okay. But um, because it does bring nice closure to the story started. Okay. In in Nightwatch, mm-hmm. but you don't need it either. Right. Okay. And I think I I actually think in our discussion we've not gone too deeply into obviously you know we've said what the resolution is and so on, but I think the movements of the the films in general are worth watching to to take in. Mm-hmm. Even if you've not seen them and listened to this, which I know there are people who do that. Yes. I say go and check them out. Mm. But definitely Nightwatch, because Nightwatch they is are, awesome. They are available to rent almost anywhere you can rent cool. digital movies. Mm. And try and get the Russian or European edition, because they're longer. <laughs> For random reasons, the North American one has a few scenes cut out. But nothing of oh. any import. Okay. Which is weird. I assume just a little thing, maybe. Oh. Mm. Mm. All right. What's next? I don't know what's next. What could be coming up? 
<laughs> that we could want to talk about on our next episode, which is going to be the 1st of December. Oh, I don't know. I think, I mean, my shirt that I'm wearing today <laughs> might have something to do with what's coming up next, which, of course, our listeners cannot see. <laughs> yeah, that, that whole audio I... medium thing. <laughs> right? I am wearing a wonderful Doctor Who shirt with a Christmas tree dressed up as a Dalek, and it says, Decorate. Decorate. <laughs> It's amazing, it's awesome. which means we are coming up on Christmas month here on Pop Culturally Deprived, starting with, actually, all three of our movies are brand new movies this year that mm. neither of us have seen. No, it'd be exciting. So we are doing like fresh, fresh Christmas stuff this yes. year. Yes. Um, so we are starting with the Netflix original movie, Holidate. Holidate. Which is what we are doing next episode. Okay. It's already out, and I have seen some people who enjoy romances actually enjoy it a lot, okay. so I'm excited. Cool, cool, cool. Nice. But it's also got Emma Roberts in it, and she's great, so... What have I seen her in? It's fine. Stuff. <laughs> will I recognize her? Yes, okay. you will recognize her. Okay. Matthew is not excited about My Christmas Joy, but it is My Christmas Joy. I, so. will, I will get more excited when it's your Christmas season. It's November. It's just November. It's November. If if you want to um, figure out when this was recorded, we are about to go into our second lockdown in the UK. So that's oh. that's when this was recorded. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not excited about Christmas right now. <laughs> but fine. Let's watch a Christmas film. Bring it on. Maybe that will make everything positive and happy and nice and stuff. I mean, so I'm not getting my Thanksgiving or my Christmas this year that I would normally get. I don't get to spend time with my family. Mm -hmm. I don't get to see anybody. Yes, I'm getting married and I have a birthday in there, but I don't get to physically share those things with people. So I'm going to do what makes me smile. Absolutely. Which is Christmas movies, Christmas music, and Christmas decorations. Absolutely. So. But we are all in the same situation. So you cannot expect me to be reacting the same way. No, because Christmas isn't the thing that makes you happy. No. But it is the thing that makes me happy. Building new PCs makes you happy, so you just did that. <laughs> I did wonder what you were about to go to there. <laughs> Baking makes you happy, so you've there been doing that. I, I wonder if you're going to go off the film, like, you know, intricate sci-fi and, and, you know, blood and guts and stuff. <laughs> I mean, you've also been playing a lot of Destiny lately, I've too. I've been playing a lot of Destiny, Yes. But you've been grinding, so I don't think that counts as things that bring you joy. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. So. Blooming random number generators. Um, yes. Yes. We're doing Holiday. We will be hitting up some of the new films coming out this year. Are they all Netflix films that we're watching? I mean, no one else really does new stuff in the same way that Netflix do. So. I think Jingle Jingle might be. No, they are. They're all mm, Netflix. Okay. Yeah. And, and certainly I think part of that is because like Netflix are releasing their Christmas films now, whereas the BBC and I would imagine, you know, HBO and Hulu and so on, their Christmas stuff will be out in December, if not over the Christmas period, mm. whereas Netflix are get side for Christmas. Yeah, Lifetime and Hallmark have also both already started their Christmas stuff. Well, but uh, the, it's fantastic. Yeah. They, they are but laws that's what, I mean, themselves. that's part yeah. of their brand. <laughs> Right? right. Yeah, that's what they do now. Yeah. 
I think it's interesting, how, and you know, this isn't the Christmas episode, so I don't know why I'm talking about this now, but I think it's interesting that Lifetime is trying to catch up to Hallmark mm. with their Christmas season. Is it Lifetime used to be ABC? No. No. Lifetime's always been Lifetime. Okay. okay. As far as I know. I mean, maybe it wasn't like 20 years ago, but... What was the ABC, ABC became? ABC still ABC. Do you mean ABC Family? That became Freeform. Freeform. Thank you. There we go. Which I assume still exists, mm-hmm. but I'm not positive. Mm-hmm. I don't have cable anymore. Yeah. Star Trek's back, so I'm happy. You know. <laughs> All right. If you want to tweet at me that I am absolutely 100% correct that it is okay to put your Christmas decorations up, on November 1st. You did not put or them up before, on November. <laughs> or before Halloween should you choose. Okay, my Christmas tree is not up. I put decorations up in my home office. That's it. My Christmas tree is not up. There are no Christmas decorations in the rest of my house. But if you agree with me that you can put Christmas decorations up when your heart says it is time to put them up, you should tweet at me at Mandy K. Or... You can send us messages together on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing, or you can email us at podcast at eloquentgushing.com. If you agree with me that you should leave your decorations up all year so that they're always there <laughs> and it's not you know, a problem having them up, so you can leave your skulls, you can leave your spider's webs, you can leave all your pumpkins out, Halloween decorations year-round, <laughs> tweet to me at Matthew Vos. We're about that Halloween creep I here. That's see, what we want. <laughs> I want to see your jack-o'-lanterns wearing Santa hats. <laughs> <laughs> see, I'm making the jokes. We ju- just don't do Halloween here, so there's nothing yeah. I can show you or do for you. Sorry. Um, we are completely funded by our lovely listeners like you through Patreon. You can get access to early shows, exclusive shows, bonus episodes of things, all sorts of exciting extra stuff. And you get the warm, fuzzy glow inside of you, like a Christmas cinnamony feeling that you are helping to support us and helping to make uh, all these shows that everyone loves. If you want to find out more, you can go to patreon.com slash gushing. That was great ramble, wasn't and it? Look at that. It's wonderful. We will be back next time, kicking off our holiday season here at Eloquent Gushing and Pop Culture Deprived, talking about holiday. Until then, I am Andy Kay. And why is my ass wiggling? Pop Culturally Deprived is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, go to eloquentgushing.com or find us on Twitter at eloquentgushing.